Welcome back to the Registry Hour Roundup for the week commencing Monday the 27th of July, bringing you all the trade repository news and views from your top trade repository team. Joining us this week, again, we have our virtual studio crew in the virtual studio, and that uh, includes, in no particular order, the nicest and most efficient person in the organisation, Barbara Ruiz Alonso, Head of Client Services. Hello, Andrew. Hello, everyone. And also joining us back again, after a holiday in the wild Suffolk woodlands, it is, of course, the voice of reason, head of business development, Nicholas Bruce. Hello, everyone. And, of course, we're going to introduce uh, John uh, Kernan, who is uh, now the CEO of uh, Registrar in the UK. He's also still head of product in Europe. Uh, he was Dr. Evil of Brexit, but now we're calling him Lord Kernan of Canary Wharf. And uh, welcome, Your Majesty. Now, we were uh, most unkind to you, weren't we, last week? Because we all said you were on holiday. I thought you were on holiday, but in fact, you were uh, at a doctor's appointment having your throat looked at. Um, yes, yeah, I was having a deeply uncomfortable procedure involving a tube and a small camera. Good, great. Okay, well, that's way too much information uh, for us. Uh, now, Presumably everything's fine, though. You're in good health. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely, yeah. So yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm asking on behalf of all the UK market participants and possibly former CME Next to Buy clients who just want to make sure that, you know, you're going to turn, <laughs> turn up at their webinars and talk for them properly and you're not be croaking. <laughs> No touch words. I'm still here. And because this is a financial services podcast and anything could happen in the next 20 minutes, we need to read you a legal disclaimer to keep our compliance folks happy. But uh, we like to make it a bit more fun. So this week it's going to be read by the voice of reason, Nick Bruce, reading it live. And it's also going to be accompanied by his 10-year-old daughter, Megan, playing Let Her Go by Passenger. Okay, this podcast is sponsored by Registr and features members of the Registr team offering their personal opinions. It is not intended to be taken as any form of legal, tax or other professional advice and there is no representation made as to the accuracy or completeness of the information, nor does it necessarily reflect the opinions of Registr as an organisation. Just to let you know as well, Andrew... I include that disclaimer on all of my emails. Great. Thank you. Thank you, Nick. And I think a big round of applause for Megan. Yay! Bravo. What I really like about that, Nick, is you're so heavily invested in business development that you're actually employing 10-year-olds now. Uh, So that's that's the next generation. To be fair, the only reason I've got her playing and not my son is um, I've got him cleaning chimneys. So um, he's... going to start with our Brexit update and it's been quite a week for Brexit hasn't it John we've actually got some proper news for once which which makes a nice change. After talks intensified between the EU and the UK on their future relations the sixth round of negotiations was concluded this week without a breakthrough. Whilst the EU's chief Brexit negotiator Michel Barnier and the UK's chief negotiator David Frost made progress on minor topics the two sides remain divided on the two essential issues, the level playing field and fisheries. At a press conference on the 23rd of July, Barnier warned that the UK's current refusal to commit itself to the condition of open and fair competition and a balanced fisheries agreement makes a trade agreement unlikely at this stage and recalled that the EU and the UK will only have until October at the latest to conclude an agreement. Meanwhile, Frost agreed that there are still significant gaps in the most difficult areas 
and stressed that these areas are not simple negotiating positions, but expressions of the reality that we will be a fully independent country at the end of the transition period, he said. Negotiators will now miss the J July deadline to agree on an early understanding on the principles of an agreement as discussed at the high-level meeting on the 15th of June. The next formal negotiation round is scheduled for mid-August in Brussels, followed by an intensive discussion phase until September. Remember when we had Danny Corrigan on and he was very uh, bullish and upbeat that we would actually get something sorted out in October. And there is a hint there that we've got until October. So this October deadline keeps uh, sort of coming up in the news. Do you think we're going to make it? Uh, Nick, you're an arch negotiator. You, uh, you've, you've got a strong sense this is all going to work out. Uh, do, do you know what? I, I think um, Danny and Phil were both quite bullish that an agreement would be found. I think the October deadline is a real deadline as well because ultimately any kind of agreement needs to be ratified by the member states. So I think the process in the UK may be far simpler than it would be across the EU. But I, I, I've always said I'm, I'm not as hopeful as the others, but there is a bit of brinksmanship here. There is a little bit of, um, you know, you're seeing negotiation tactics being played. But I, I still believe something will be done before the year end because it's in everyone's interest. And I think ultimately everyone knows that. So I think behind the scenes, or I'd like to believe anyway, that behind the scenes progress is being made. Do you think reporting regulations are going to get lighter for UK market participants after December 31st? I don't think there's any indication from the UK that it wants to be lighter on regulation. But I think what it will do is it will look at the regulation and it'll make sure it fits its requirements. And I think it's been very, very sort of clear in messages that there may be divergence, but it doesn't mean wholesale change. Um, so I don't see a lightning of regulation. I think that'd be the wrong word for it. I don't know, what John, what your thoughts are. Yeah, I mean, I would expect, you know, the, the, the approach to be that, like you say, to the greatest extent possible, um, if it meets their requirements, then we remain you know, consistent. Um, and I guess, you know, the, F the FCA will need a period of time whilst the reporting beds in post-Brexit through the new entities um, to, to then, you know, do any further subsequent reviews, which, as we know from the process, you know, with ESMA, you know, these sorts of consultations, um, you know, potentially run into years. Uh, we saw that with, um, with refit from the initial discussions of refit and the um, proportionality of email. So as Nick said, yeah, I, th I think no doubt there will be some degree of divergence, but it won't be for divergence sake. And, um, you know, I think any uh, dramatic departure from the existing email framework would be done under a consultation, which, as I say, you know, the implementation of um, any such outcome would be easily 18 months down the line. Barbara, do you find yourself having now to sort of have a two-track strategy in place for, for client services from the point of view that your UK market participants have a different set of potential issues brewing compared with the EU market participants? And, and I mean, how do you adapt for this sort of, sort of two-track system? No yet, that's the answer, but we will definitely have to have to do that, yeah, because uh, well, I'm sure our participants will remain at different levels or different uh, progress, let's say. 
so we we will need to adapt to that but we are used to it because of course uh from client services we we manage different regulations and different uh you know stages for not only new regulations but new clients or, or clients that rotate internally so so we just try to adapt ourselves to, to the needs of of the clients and in this particular case it it should be okay because at the end uh, i'm sure most of the uk participants will be on the same uh line and i guess they are just waiting for you know clarifying all these questions that are still open and once those are clarified we will we will start uh, moving forward and defining the the roadmap and barbara i mean your team already if you think of it this way um you already service our finprac clients albeit that service is provided through the same entity but there is significantly more divergence between emir for the european union and finfrag than there is between emir for the european union and the emir to be adopted by the uk so it's it's really business as usual for us right yeah that that's that's correct yeah we i mean at the end uh as, as everything you know at work you you just get used to it you you define what are the client needs and and then you just go for that road uh so yeah it should yeah. be okay you know through through our projects um, methodology this this is this is all reviewed by um, people um, in in all of the business areas so the client service people you know aren't just um, coming to terms with um, SFTR or email going live in the UK you know a few weeks before it goes live they've they've already been heavily involved in the project from day one which again is in some cases it's an 18 month to two year process and this this is important because actually you know anybody involved in regulatory reporting will know that the service support is it's highly technical you know by its very nature it's highly technical and you have to have people there um, who are not just good customer service generalists but people who are familiar with the technical requirements the technical detail and the sort of challenging questions and support that our customers require okay now also joining us today in the virtual studio we have another special guest it's always great to welcome a new guest to the registry r roundup and it is uh anna iliescu who is a client relationship manager at registry r and anna you cover off quite a large geographical area don't you yes i cover um the benelux eastern europe um, Switzerland, Austria, and Liechtenstein. And presumably that's why you need to be able to speak seven languages. Yes, I, I mean, um, working at Registrar is a great opportunity because I can actually use uh, all the seven languages that I'm speaking. So Romanian, Czech, German, English, French, Spanish, and Luxembourgish. And uh, you've also been involved uh, in the development um, and uh, getting people on board with the new SFTR platform, Registrar's SFTR platform. How has that gone? How are people responding to the platform? How has the go-live gone for you? What are your clients saying? I think clients are quite happy. They're, they're happy that we are uh, constantly trying to improve our systems. So um, the system is uh, more user-friendly. Now in SFTR, uh, we have quite many changes from EMIR to SFTR. This is the new way we want to go, be really close to the, the client, give them the opportunity also to manage fully their accounts and setups. 
um, so far the onboarding from the uh, from the documentation perspective was really great because all our existing customers um, just needed to sign two documents and even the the, the new prospects um, the onboarding is at, at registrar is actually quite fast when it comes to the platform the the usage of the platform clients didn't really have an issue to get their way around. The feedback was very positive. Uh, wherever they had questions, there was always the possibility to look at the videos that we did and upload it on our website um, and ask any additional questions to our um, um, expert technical team in Madrid. So the feedback was really was really great. Yes, because you have got um, you've got uh, a whole suite of videos that sort of walk you through all the different features and and sort of support videos there, which is that's quite new, isn't it? You don't get a lot of that, uh, generally speaking, in uh, um, the sort of reporting space software. It tends to be more sort of documentation based, but you've gone down a video route for supporting people as well. Yes, I, I think the videos are helping a lot um, because they're really showing exactly, you know, where you need to go to as a client, uh, what the new features are, how to set up everything that you want. Uh, we also um, cut them in chapters so that anyone is able to actually just jump over to the chapter that he's interested into. Um, so, yeah, and, and I think it's it's a great way to, to go on forward to assist our, our clients besides the you know, the, the life assistance that we're offering through the support. I think this approach was also, if you can call it fortuitous, um, but, you know, with the um, with the lockdown and additional, um, or most people doing home office, that those, um, those videos have actually proved to be invaluable um, for, for, our, uh, for our customers. Um, and as Anna said, the, the referencing of the chapters actually makes um, um, a really useful, practical um, guide uh, for our clients. And Anna's also been very modest because she she was the star of the video as well. So she wasn't just involved. She was the star. And she also, if I remember rightly, um, she also produced all of the technical translations because the video is not just available to our customers in English, but it's also available in um, Spanish and German and French. Presumably then, Anna, you had to do the voiceover or, or film. Did you have to do the voiceover like four times in different languages? Yes. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, so uh, it was actually um, quite quite a lot of fun to, to do the videos. Um, I enjoyed it a lot because especially um, in my role, I'm very close to the clients. So it made me happy to be able to offer them um, these videos. And being able to speak all the all these languages is a, a real a real benefit also for the clients. Uh, and I, I hope they're gonna enjoy it. I hope they're gonna find themselves in in uh, in the videos and in my explanations. Barbara, do you think that you know video is going to become a normal sort of support channel for uh, client services in the repository space? It, for sure, it's uh, it's been great all the all the work done by Anna and all the other colleagues that produced these videos, and I can say it is of much help for the customers. As Anna was saying, we've received plenty of questions at the desk, and when we add like when we point clients to the handbooks, which are normally 
over 100 pages. They just are like, oh, no, please uh, just let me know how to do it. So this, this new formula, the videos, uh, to me, it's just a way forward. Uh, of course, the, the you know, written handbooks will need to coexist, but at least uh, these will lighten the process for, you know, getting onboarded and getting familiarized with all the, uh, you know, new uh, functionalities or whatever for, for the customers. So I, I appreciate this this work. You, you've done an, an excellent job with this. And I, I trust we can uh, produce new videos, in, you know, in the in the short term. Okay, good. Now, talking of onboarding, I did want to. We are we're running out of time this, already this week. Can you believe it? We're running out of time. But I heard on the uh, grapevine because you know journalists hang out and podcasters. We we sometimes you know chat about stuff. And I heard that around half of CME Nexabide's clients still haven't found a new TR. Nick, uh, have you heard anything? Yeah. Um, so obviously, we've discussed previously. We we talk regularly to the team over at CME. We have weekly call with them just with the planning, the migration of the clients that are moving across to us. Now, the feeling we get is probably that's, that's actually an accurate number. It's around 50% of the clients haven't confirmed yet that they're moving to a TR. And actually, it's funny how over the last two weeks, we've seen a spike in the number of CME clients that have approached us. And I think that coincides with the fact that I think a lot of clients were looking at SFTR. They were finalising their development, so they were prioritising that. Now SFTR has gone live, it's we need to look at this and we need to focus on it urgently because I've said before, it's about arranging porting slots and they're filling up. And so we're seeing a dramatic move in the market now. Yeah, I think, Andrew, there is also the UK element to consider. Um, we found a number of clients have, have, have approached us because obviously we've got the well-established EU27 operation, but we've obviously got the UK TR um, ready to go in January and you know clients have to look at the um although they're separate legal entities for all trs um so there's no cross cross subsidization or anything like that but clients have to look at the overall cost um not only migrating for november they have to look at the overall cost post brexit because there are two elements to consider and um you know, we found a lot of clients with UK reporting obligations as well as EU reporting obligations um, have found us to be um, highly competitive and attractive option. Yeah, I don't agree, John. I mean, I think that's the key consideration is I think a lot of clients have come to the realisation that they, you know, it's not just a move in potentially before November, but it's again, it's a, another split um, come the end of the transition agreement and how do you manage that? It's the cost implications, it's the process as well. And I think a lot of people are only just waking up to that and starting to factor that into their thinking and really starting to map that out. And it is absolutely critical. And presumably, John... Yeah, I was, yeah no, sorry, sorry, Andrew. I was just going to say I fully agree with what Nick is saying. Uh, I, I will not underestimate the effort and the time it takes to, to do all this process. Uh, at the end, it's not only, you know, deciding uh, the paperwork and the administrative part, which I will say it's normally the easiest once you have decided to which TR you want to move, but all the technical considerations uh, with which I'm familiar with, of course, are, are pretty deep and, and it requires analysis because, you know, uh, ESMA is still working towards a full harmonization 
between all the TRs, but we're not there yet. So it, it will require time for, for the for the client. So uh, again, I will not underestimate the effort. So uh, I encourage them to, you know, to give us a call to the relationship manager. Now we have Anna in here or Nick, the client service, whatever. But just, uh, yeah, we're here to help. So, John, okay, so you, of course, I mean, we're talking a lot about uh, UK TRs uh, being found for ex-CME and ex-Buy clients. We've been talking a lot about Brexit. You're obviously an expert on Brexit. And you are going to be more of an expert on the UK or, than you are already by the fact you're going to be uh, head uh, CEO of the um, registrar in the UK. What happens when you land? What's your plan? What's the first thing you do when you arrive at the office, apart from obviously setting up a podcasting studio for me and moving uh, Nick uh, into the broom cupboard? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, it's it's not as if I'm just joining right now, um, day one. You know, I, I, I've been involved in this project um, to set up the UKTR for over two years. Um, as you know, I've been acting COO for the for, for the last eighteen months, and so in res- some respects, it really is a continuation of. Uh, my ongoing involvement, um, for example, on the commercial side with the client onboarding and so on that you've just heard about. And also, you know, the continuation of our close collaboration with the FCA um, to uh, round out the uh, permanent registration process. Because as you probably remember from, I think, podcast one or two, um, the... um, Regime at the moment is a temporary registration regime for TRs um, setting up in the UK. So continuation of of, of both those streams. You know, we've already papered over 100 clients um, for the UK. Um, We're ready to go in January and we're ready to take on um, more clients um, who who need that uh, UK service. That's all the time we have this week, I'm afraid, on the Registry Hour Roundup, except just a minute to mention that um, our very own uh, uh, Dr. Evil of Brexit, Lord Kernan of Canary Wharf, uh, CEO of Registry Hour in the UK, head of products in Europe, John Kernan, is uh, going to be on a webinar on uh, Thursday, 12.15 to 1.15. It's a CISI webinar, SFTR lands in the market. It's going to be hosted, of course, by Danny Corrigan, who was a great guest from season one. We'll be back on the show soon. Uh, he will make it highly entertaining and facilitate a lively discussion, no doubt. We've also got Tim Hartley, who was in episode one of season two uh, just a couple of weeks ago. Tim Hartley, of course, Vice President Duff and Phelps, an expert in regulatory reporting. Do uh, listen to him. He's a great speaker. Also on there, people we hope to get on the show at some point, including Richard Colville, who's the Managing Director of Consolo, uh, Richard Camotto, who's a consultant in the regulatory reporting space, Jonathan Lee, of course, from Kaizen, and uh, we've had uh, Dario Crispini from Kaizen on the show before. Kaizen, always good to listen to. Okay, well, that is it. That is all the time we've got uh, this week. Um, so it's goodbye to Anna Iliescu. Thank you for joining us, client relationship manager. Uh, Darling in from Luxembourg. Anna, thank you very much. Thank you for having me here. Great to be with you this morning. And it's goodbye to the nicest and most efficient person in the organization, head of client services, Barbara Ruiz Alonso. Thank you, Andrew. Goodbye, everyone. And it's goodbye from Nick Bruce, head of business development. Yeah, goodbye, everyone. And I just want to say a huge thank you to Anna, because what people don't realise is today's her first day back from holiday. So she got invited to join us about 30 minutes before we started recording. So a huge thank you, Anna. And it's goodbye to Lord Kernan of Canary Wharf, the artist formerly known as Dr. Evil of Brexit, John Kernan, CEO of Registrar in the UK and head of product in Europe.
Look, guys, I'm going to have to put my foot down on this. This is the last show where you can refer to me as Lord Kernan, please. <laughs> You're ruining my credibility. Uh, you missed out on. Um, what is your choice of breakfast? Are you a toast man, cereal man? Do you go for something a bit more European, exotic? I mean, especially with a sore throat, what do you get? Uh, I've got to be honest, I'm terrible and I don't recommend this to anyone. Uh, but normally I take a cup of coffee and skip breakfast. However, however, I'm heading back to the UK next week uh, for a few weeks to work. And I'm expecting, uh, I'm expecting at least once to remind myself what a great big greasy full English feels like. Just to say on behalf of our compliance team that Registry R does not endorse uh, ingesting large quantities of cholesterol <laughs> and nitrate-laden uh, processed meat products uh, for breakfast. We recommend some slow-release carbohydrates and a little bit of healthy protein, possibly from a poached egg, to see you through till lunchtime. Okay, that's been the Registrar Roundup for the week commencing Monday the 27th of July. Have a good one. See you next time.